Listener supported. WNYC Studios. So many white guys. So many. So many white guys. So white. How much whiteness? All over the place. God damn. Welcome to so many white guys. Welcome to it. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Welcome to it. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Bienvenido. Pick up, pick it. That's not how you say it. Bienvenido. 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 <laughs> okay, let me start over. That was trash. No, Phoebe, that was so good. I had to take my top off. <laughs> Mardi Gras, baby. You want hey. some beads? Okay, guys, well, for real, it's me, Phoebe Lynn Robinson, and Joanna Leah Salataroff. And we're so happy because we got a brand new episode. Did I ever tell you that my mom and I used to watch Cops when I was little? Everyone watched Cops. It's so crazy. Do you remember when they did Cops during Mardi Gras? And it's like all high action. And there's like this woman who's totally wasted. And she's like, somebody took my beads. And then she started yelling about how she had worked so hard for them, like, flashing her tits all day. And it's, like, literally a childhood memory of mine, which is depressing. <laughs> that, that, you know what? I blame that on Minnesota. Obviously, Minnesota didn't give you enough memories. If you're remembering, you know, tits on, on cops. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> it's also, like, fully insane that family entertainment in the 90s was watching cops i know it's so fucked up it's just like you know the theme song just like bad boys bad boys what you gonna do like it was like so fun and jaunty yeah i'm like fully eating dinner like just shoveling (laughs) chicken nuggets in my mouth i know did you watch like bad tv well, you mean bad quality or like inappropriate? Like inappropriate. Yeah, inappropriate. I mean, I think you know me enough to know that I'm like such a dweeb. So when I tell you that I watch like Walker, Texas Ranger voluntarily for years, you like get it. You get it now. Yeah, I'm completely not surprised. <laughs> you, you're literally the youngest person I've ever heard of watching The West Wing. <laughs> They're like, who's our youngest viewer? And it's Phoebe Robinson in Cleveland, Ohio. It's me. I'm the youngest listener to you two. Youngest viewer of uh, the West Wing. You know, it's a mess. <laughs> it's a goddamn mess. People are like SZA. I'm like, I, I don't understand SZA, you guys. I did accidentally call her SZA. <laughs> Wait, you just said each individual letter. <laughs> yeah. So every year, again, youngest person who watches this, I watch the Kennedy Center Honors, which is... <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's family pro... <laughs> you know what the Kennedy Center Honors are, right, Joni? Are they honored? Or- <laughs> oh, look at you trying to drag me. You are- fucked up. <laughs> are they honors that take place at the Kennedy Center? Yes. And- Killed it! <laughs> 
So every year, five people are honored. So you sit up in, like, in the Kennedy you know, Center, and you're supposed to get this medal from the president. Uh, one year, Sting was honored for his work with the police and also solo efforts. And so Lady Gaga came out, and she sang a version of If I Ever Lose My Faith in You. If I ever lose my faith That I was sobbing. I would cry. It was so beautiful and so incredible. And I was like, this needs to be released on the radio or, you know, maybe Spotify. Look at me. I'm so late. Do they have it in MIDI disc? <laughs> James Corden, not into him. But you know what I like? Lawrence Welk. <laughs> Speaking of Lawrence Welk, <laughs> it's time. To cut to our sponsor. No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, Joanna, we were laughing. <sighs> Joanna, we were having a... Joanna, we were... Joanna, we were having a real... Joanna? You know what? We're back from that sexy-ass commercial break. I hope you guys just bought a bunch of stuff. Hashtag commercialism. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys. Well, for real, I just want to say don't drink any beverages. Don't have any food in your mouth. And you know what? Tighten up that butthole because you don't want to fart to eke out because you're just laughing and losing control of your faculties. So the thing that's really amazing about Sam Irby is when I was writing my bestseller, I hate to say that, but it is a bestseller. You don't hate to say it. Just own your truth, (laughs) Stevie. I went away because I was like, I want to get out of New York. New York is like too stressful to write in. And so I went away to a beach somewhere and I only brought one book with me and it was Sam Irby's book. Because I was just like, she's so inspiring. She's so funny. And I was reading it on the beach, laughing to myself. So, you know what? You're in for a treat. She's fucking awesome. She's black. She's hilarious. She's got a cool life. And you're going to love this episode. Welcome to So Many White Guys, Sam Irby. Hi. Well, do you prefer Sam or Samantha? I always call I like you Sam. Sam. Okay, great. Samantha makes me feel like I'm getting in trouble. Samantha! Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's not fun. Are you going to yeah. spank me now? <laughs> well, I don't think your wife would approve. I mean... I'm not trying to break up that situation. keep it spicy. <laughs> um, but we're both writers, so you have Needy coming out again. came out in April. Yes. So you're in the middle of your two-month tour. Yes. And then last year you had a book come out called We Are Never Meeting in Real Life. Yes. Which is a New York Times bestseller. Which is still unbelievable to me i can't believe it yeah why it's so good it's one of the funniest books i read last year so many people tag me in pictures of it from the library that i can't believe that people really bought it (laughs) i know when people are always like yeah i checked it out from the library i'm like cool for supporting like tax dollars but also like i don't (laughs) i say i say if the book is written by a white guy or a well-to-do white woman library it the fuck up yeah if it's written by anyone else 
fucking charge it. Yeah. Put yourself on a payment plan for those $11. But we want that fucking money. (laughs) That is like so racist. (laughs) Can we be racist? We're black. (laughs) We can be something racist, ain't it? Yeah. We're never getting another book deal. I know, right? We just screwed ourselves so Our hard. Our publishers are like, oh, uh-huh. Tear it up. Give us back that advance. Oh, shit. Oh, um, but I want to talk about Meaty, yeah. which is re-released with some new zhuzh added to it. Yes. Okay, so how does it feel? Because I only have one book under my belt. So how does it feel to... Um, write something, and then revisit it and, like, add to it. It was, I mean, it's really horrifying to me. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So I cringed through a lot of it. Like, when we did, like, the first pass, I was just like, oh, God, who is this person? Mm -hmm. And what was I saying? And why I was so stupid. Yeah. Also, it, there's <laughs> Give another me an example of one thing in the book that made you cringe that you're like, oh, I have to revisit this now and like own it again. Yeah. So I wrote a lot about like breakups and like mm-hmm. surviving that. And there's some stuff in there where I was just like, this person wasn't even worth all of this thought. I can't believe <laughs> I was like so crushed yeah. by this. I hope people know that, like, this is a process <laughs> and that me back then, I'm a work in progress. Mm-hmm. I hope everyone's, like, willing to go back in my evolution and then look at the second book and be like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. She's grown up some. Yeah. <laughs> She's grown up some. Do you feel like you've grown up some just because of the passage of time? Or do you feel like it's also because, like, you're married now and, like, your stepmom? Like, you know, there's a lot— Your life has changed drastically, you know what I mean? So, like, getting married was great. Our life was pretty fun. I still feel like a child playing house sometimes. You know, like, I don't feel like I've grown up. And the kids, I feel uh, nervous every day that Mm. I am saying (laughs) something bad. I mean, I'm, like, so conscientious of, like... Like, are they watching what I do? Do they listen to this dumb shit Mm -hmm. I say all the time? Like, am I setting a good example? And then I immediately think, no. (laughs) I mean, I I think I'm lucky that they still don't quite know 9 and 12. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they're not old enough to really be like... I saw your phone, that text that said your phone was about to get shut off, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, like. No, I mean, I've read that you nece- you didn't necessarily want to be a mom. Yeah, no. Yeah, so. I what, don't even think of myself as one now. Sam, I'm like, you're a mom. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you know, but you got two kids in your house. That makes you a mom. So what, but, so how do you approach it? Like, because it's such a new normal for you, I, I guess. Know. You know what I mean? Like. I mean, they have. Both of their parents, and I look at that as, like, you know, those are the people who decide, like, what vaccines you get, Mm -hmm. and they're going to help you decide where to go to college and all that stuff. I'm happy to—but I'm sort of, like, the fun one, right? Mm. I mean, 
I don't want my wife to feel like she has three kids, but she kind of has three <laughs> kids. She got one old black kid and then two, two little white kids. But like, I am, I'm happy to be around them and be with them and like do stuff with them. Like, I mean, they're fun and they're funny and they're really smart. But I am also relieved that like. I don't have to do like the sex talk or any of that. I stuff. think I want to hear sex talk from you straight up. <laughs> Just reading your I work. Mean... You got you got some tales to tell. You got poetry to express, <laughs> my dear. <laughs> I feel, I'm going to let their parents handle the first round. Yeah. <laughs> so you're writing. You have been, which I, I really admire because you are pretty open about your sex life and your sexuality uh-huh. but you you really just sort of like go for it and was that always something as a writer you just been really confident about like I'm just gonna really go and talk about sex in a way that like maybe isn't thought that women are supposed to write mm-hmm. about sex because it's not flowery and like he touched my mound or <laughs> she kissed me softly you know what I mean it's like real like oh it's my real god sex. I'm gonna write he touched my mound <laughs> today um (laughs) that's amazing um i think so when i first like started writing on the internet you're like it's like who's listening to this Mm -hmm. right like and this was how long ago when you started like 2008 okay so when you're like shouting into the void it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. what you say i also and i say this a lot and i feel like it's jarring to people but like when my parents are dead they both died when i was 18 that is very freeing. I mean, maybe that's it could be a bad thing when there's no one to be your conscience. But when no one's telling you no, um, that makes it a little easier. I also, like, I've always felt like there are not a lot of people who look like me who are open about... Like, people like to think that if you're, like, a big person or a queer person or I mean, however many margins Mm -hmm. I am in Mm -hmm. that like you don't even have a sex life and so I was like well I'm gonna talk about it and like I'm gonna be a person who's different and talking about this stuff I know tons of people who look like me Mm -hmm. um who are all having sex like once I started like doing that and getting responses that were like thank you for doing that or that was really funny and that makes it that makes it easy I mean if in the beginning a bunch of people had been like, this is awful. Mm-hmm. Who cares? <laughs> Tuck it in and go away. Then yeah. I might, you know, I might have. But yeah. sex is also, a, I mean, I wrote a lot about sex when I was having it with people I wasn't talking to anymore. Yeah. Now, with Kirsten, I have to get permission. Yeah. I have to be like, well, <laughs> that thing you did is pretty weird. <laughs> talk about it on the internet and she's like yeah yeah that's awesome so yeah so what is your dynamic like where because you are so open and she is obviously much more private citizen yeah so how do you guys balance that in your relationship without it have you ever like crossed the line where she's been like yo like i really wish you didn't write that or i don't think so when writing about her i'm always like okay you can read this and if you hate it that's like that. I won't yeah. put it out. No joke is worth like my home life being mm-hmm. 
fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot. Well, we've lived together for a couple of years, two years, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and so in the next book, I'm going to write more about what it's like at home. Mm-hmm. Um and so we'll see. There may be some fights there because this is too, <laughs> you know, in the beginning it was like sweet and great. And now yeah. I'm like, you know, this bitch gets on my nerves. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll see. There may be some fights yeah. in the future yeah. about, you know, me making fun of. We're like super different in ways that I think are funny. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she is a reusable tote bag like yeah. at the farmer's market kind okay. of person. Okay. So I think all that stuff is funny, but yeah. maybe she'll be like, listen, that was one too many turnip jokes. Yes. <laughs> like this morning she went running in Central Park and I... Oh my God, that's some Charlotte York shit. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Uh, and you know you wow. know what the best part of you saying that is? Yeah. Is I know who Charlotte York is. She has no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how it works, though, right? Right. Like, you got to find somebody who, I mean, every dumb thing I watch on TV, she's like, no, no, no. (laughs) And then she'll be like, have you read this, like, super smart political book? And I'm like, nope. I know. Nope, I haven't read that. Yeah, (laughs) my boyfriend is always getting on me because I love, like, reality TV. Like, I love Kardashians, even though they're highly problematic. Mm -hmm. I love... The Housewives, I love trash. Mm-hmm. Me too. I'm really into Vanderpump Rules. I haven't gotten on board with that one yet. You have to. Okay. It's so great. Everyone is so drunk. Everyone is... <laughs> they have the kind of fights where, like, watching it, I'm like, I, my friendship could never recover. Right. I could never <laughs> talk to that bitch again. And then in the next scene, they're like, Drinking mimosas, and I'm like, how do you do that? Yeah, like if you do some. I mean, I remember things people did to me 20 years ago. Like what? And I still. I mean, everyone who was ever like rude to me in high school, yeah. I like remember. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I'm not accepting that friend request. <laughs> Bye, bitch. <laughs> but buy my book. Yeah. yeah, I'm like glad to know you're a fan, but yeah. remember that time you tore up my homework. Bye. Wait, someone actually tore up your homework? Yes, but like... What? Yeah, but you know how people are. I mean, I'm sure I was a bitch too. I probably deserved it, but (laughs) history (laughs) has not preserved the memory in that way. You know, in my mind, I was totally faultless and did not deserve to get my homework ripped up. (laughs) But I still remember... I feel like if I could... I could be, like, a genius and do, like, genius-level shit Mm -hmm. if I could ever let go of my petty grievances (laughs) to make room for, like, math in my brain. But I can't. So I'm just going to have to be, like, dumb and spiteful. Like, that's it. Uh, You know, let's be a little less petty in 2018. Just a little less. Okay. I mean, I can't even agree wholeheartedly. I'm like... (laughs) I said, okay, and immediately thought, but what about? (laughs) I think I'm afraid of what happens when you let things go. When you let things go, you have so much more time to waste. It's phenomenal. No, that, I mean, that feels true. But for me, I mean, so don't you use, like, some of your pettiness to, like, fuel your work, that's my big fear mm, is that mm-hmm, if I mm-hmm. get even a little bit zen, 
yeah. that I'm going to write something and people are going to be like, mm, no. You're not going to lose your sense of humor. You're a very, very funny writer, very vulnerable. But very, it all comes like, from such a raging lava pit deep inside. <laughs> and I'm like, if I put that fire out even a little... I think what you'll if be the work okay. Suffers? Okay, you're right. so insanely talented. You have two you. incredible books. It's very nice of you to say. New York Times bestseller. I know that's weird. You're developing a show with FX. I mean, come on. I know. I know. You got this. But I still. I mean, I, maybe the like I should go to therapy or something. Is that <laughs> how people like fix their wounded places? I am just yeah. like. I stoke those fires, yeah. and then I'm like, let's write something. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it would be, <laughs> maybe, like, for the next thing, it'll be, like, I worked on being less petty, and and this is the result. Yeah. Can I just say that if I had, like, a secret dream, I could never really do this for real, but, like, having a lifestyle yes. like, kind of brand is it. Yes. all those people who have them seem like what we want to be. They seem like... They don't give a shit about anything. Yeah. And all their stuff looks good <laughs> yeah. all the time. I don't know that there's a universe in which that could ever happen. <laughs> for me. I feel like the photographer would come for the lifestyle shoot and be like, um, you can't have dirty laundry <laughs> in the background of this. Like a react like this yes. is real life. Yeah. Like I just I was three years behind on my taxes and just filed. (laughs) That's my lifestyle. You know what I mean? I want to start a thing where I take pictures of my stuff and show you how much it costs and, like, show you how I didn't pay my phone bill (laughs) so that I could get get a, like, $34 lip balm. Yes. I feel like that's our lifestyle brand. It's like, yes, I got a $15 latte yeah but this irs letter also came (laughs) and it had red ink on it that was like bitch we are coming to your house so i think that's the thing about lifestyle brands that like makes you feel like shit because like oh yeah last night i did a reading and there was a girl who asked like what were you doing at 20 she's 23 Mm -hmm. she's like what were you doing at 23 like i guess she was looking for some inspiration or whatever. I don't have any of that. I was like, I was working a soul-sucking job and, like, doing my creative stuff at night. And I feel like people want to hear that, like, you were doing, like, something amazing and you made it happen. But really, no, you're, like, scrubbing cat shit and, and, like, doing your shit at night. So I feel like we need to come up with, like, the Instagram version of this is what I had to do to get this yeah. nice lotion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what suffered so that I could have this thing. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so you wrote um, an article for Cosmo called Black Girls Don't Get to Be Depressed. Yeah. Which I think is really powerful because that is true and that people of color aren't encouraged to express when they're not feeling anything other than everything's great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so do you feel like First of all, what really inspired you to be like, I'm just going to be really frank about, like, my experience uh-huh. and write about it? Yeah. So I I started taking Lexapro. I mean, I always have felt, because it doesn't scare me to be open about things, that if I'm dealing with a new thing, 
I should talk about it because maybe it'll help someone who mm-hmm. can't talk about it. And so when I I talked to my doctor and got on these meds and I was like, I'm going to write about this. And like, why do I feel weird writing about this? And mm. why am I, I don't know, 35 or 36, however old I was at the time. Like, why am I just now dealing with this? And like, in the piece, I say that I tried to commit suicide when I was a freshman in high school. And my Mom's like response to that was basically to say nothing really, mm-hmm. like it didn't work, and so it was like, I mean, you know, you tried, but we're not, we're not going to talk about right. why you felt that way or why you felt better off dead. And I just, I mean, I can't speak for anyone else's family other than my own, but I know as a community, we just aren't encouraged to t- like it feels indulgent to mm-hmm, talk about mm-hmm. being sad or being depressed and i get it because we gotta struggle you gotta go to work you gotta get your shit done um even now like i feel like if i have a bad day that it's like how could you have wasted this day there were other things and you're taught like you know i definitely had a role in like household things as a child, like cleaning things, walk here and pay this bill, you know, like sort of feeling the stress of being poor and all that stuff. Like no one shielded me from any of that, like really oppressive kind of adult stuff that hopefully kids, I mean, you don't want your kids to know about the struggle. Nobody is ever like, can't wait to have this baby and dump all my shit on it. It's But it's like, that's life, right? Like when you're living in a food desert and you don't have a safe school close by. Yeah. And so it's, I understand how, like how it's, it mental health gets sort of knocked down mm-hmm. a few rungs. And so if my talking about it helps even one person to mm-hmm. say like, so I was carrying around all this stuff because I felt like I needed to be a strong black woman. My mom's a strong, you know, I had one of those mom's a strong black woman. All I heard when I was growing up was how my mom didn't have any help and she put herself through school. I have three much older sisters who were Mm -hmm. born when my mom was in her teens and I raised these girls and put myself through nursing school. And I'm like, well, great. (laughs) I mean, you know, like, great, but also I see choices that you made that were definitely something a depressed person was doing. Mm. I could see, like, in you that, like, you have some things that you're ignoring and you're obviously trying to solve this pain with a thing that's not therapy. It's men or it's, you know, drinking or it's, you know, whatever else she was into. And it's like, Okay, man, but you don't have to put that on me. Glad you are pretending to be strong enough to get through it, but your actions have an effect on me. The universe has an effect on me. Maybe if we, like, start talking about that stuff, we can... I mean, it's just such a burden to feel like not only are you depressed and, like, coping with that, but also no one around you wants to hear about it because they feel like you're just whining. Yeah. You know, like, why don't you... I feel like when... Because as a person who had a hard childhood, like, when it starts off hard, it doesn't just, like, get amazing. Yeah. You know, when, like, what's supposed to be the best time of your life is, like, grueling and terrible. Like, if you can just start talking about that, then maybe you can start, like, 
dealing, dealing with it early and like clawing your way out of that. Yeah. Do you feel like you're now currently in the best time of your life? Um, I... Or that you're at least getting towards it? Yeah, yeah. I feel... I do feel better. And again, like, talking about it, getting on medication for it, like, whatever helps um, is worth it. You know, but it's all a, it's all a process. So I feel like I'm still at the beginning of the, of the journey. Oh, yeah, but, totally. Like, it's I feel better than I would have if I hadn't started the journey at all, which is uh, real. Sam, <laughs> you're so inspiring. No. You are. When I went listen, when I went to start work on my second book, I went away to Puerto Rico, only brought one book with me and it was yours. Oh. Okay. So Meaty was uh edited by a, a young white woman. Yeah. And my book, You, you Can't Touch My Hair, was also edited by <laughs> a, a young white woman. And publishing is overwhelmingly white. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting because we both, like, we write about, we, like, we really fully write about our black ass lives. (laughs) And then we have to have these white people edit it. (laughs) And so what was that like for you? Did you ever feel like this is, like, I I initially felt like this is weird, but I'm like, well, there aren't that many editors of color. So, like, what do I do other than, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, everybody is, I, I don't think that I am woke because it's a lot of work i just try to be respectful of what people want and like i try not to care too much about anything that yeah. way like my chances of offend- horribly offending someone are very low yeah I just, i'm like i just want to make you laugh can i just do that exactly. and like yeah so i think though like everyone else is like trying not to be offensive like mm-hmm. at least my editors are always like We'll take your word, yeah. <laughs> Negress. Yeah. Like what, whatever you whatever you say. Um, so I didn't have any problems mm-hmm. editing the copy editing. I also didn't have a problem with that, but it was the funniest part because I put you know a lot of like colloquialisms, mm-hmm. and so in the margins, it like they would get notes and they would be like, "What is this?" <laughs> I don't remember which book. It was in, but one of the things my dad used to say all the time, mm-hmm. if he was having bad luck, is like, "Man, I can't catch a cold," <laughs> and so I put that in, and the note was like, "Is this out of place?" And I was like, <laughs> "Oh no, girl, that's just like black." Yeah, we need like Cardi B to be the copy editor. <laughs> Cardi will know everything we're saying. <laughs> yeah. So it, I always I had a lot of fun during that process, mostly because that like they're real hands off and mm-hmm. we're like, you know, I wrote a, in this in Meaty a thing called Black Beauty, which mm-hmm. is about like like black standards of beauty. And they'd mostly left that untouched, mm-hmm. which I'd, I which like felt good, like to have people like trust me enough to be like, Okay, you this is fine. Yeah. You got it. It also helps though to not see any like to not look them in the face when they're looking at my work mm-hmm. and like when they're responding to it. It's one thing to get like corrections in an email or to get like yeah. an electronic copy of the book where someone has like marked it up. I think I would have a much different reaction if like they were in my face being like, um, what is this? And yeah. then, you know, I would like 
turn the table over and be like, you racist. <laughs> but no, I think in general for me, because everyone else like doesn't want to be offensive, mm-hmm. I had an easy time. Did you have an easy time? Yeah, it, it was fine. I just want publishing to be more diverse and to feel yeah. more representative. Like I remember when I was shopping my first book around, there were... I got passed on by so many people because they were like, I don't know, this like won't translate to like a wide enough audience or like overseas, like we could, people wouldn't get this or like, and it was all they coded like, oh, this is just like too black. So like white people aren't going to get it. And so a lot of people were just like, no. Wow. Yeah. And so it's just very where it's very much where it's like, if you have, you know, more people of color, more queer people, then it's like, Mm -hmm in those positions and they understand the mm-hmm. work fully yeah. because they've lived that work yeah. in a way. If we had you more know? of them yeah. as gatekeepers, yeah. that would be helpful. I have found, at least in my experience, like I can't speak widely, but my team of 20 white people who are like <laughs> the sales, you know, there's so many people. So many white I didn't people. realize yeah. this, but there are so many people. There's social media people mm-hmm. and there's sales people and there's so many people who like, whose job it is to like sell your shit, which is also very humbling. But it is, it did make me feel, you know, like I was killing racism a tiny bit <laughs> to know that like, you know, like, like, Tom in sales yeah. is out like peddling my black ass book. I yeah. mean, that did feel really good. It's cool. <laughs> it is. It feels so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, and it's also is funny when those dudes are like, you know, I read it and I really liked it, and I'm like, listen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're all people, dude. It's not I've read a lot of books by white men and been like, that's good and I can relate to that. It's yeah. not such a strange thing for you to have the same yeah. experience reading mine. Yeah. But ultimately, like how many stories do I have to tell, right? Mm-hmm. Like eventually it's just gonna be like, I'm done with this. Yeah. But if like <laughs> my books can help like kick open the door mm-hmm. for some more people like me to mm-hmm. like get looks right like then it's worth it yeah i feel like every young writer of color i meet is like my little brother or sister and i'm like well yes i want to put you in my pocket and bring you in too so that's where i'm hoping the next yeah the the next few years yeah i don't think jonathan franzen is thinking about anyone but himself (laughs) (laughs) no that's true yeah he's like you guys are good (laughs) also white dudes are good (laughs) i feel like such an asshole because like every time someone references him i'm like but freedom was good. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read that. I read um, How to Be Alone. Did you read that? It's no. like a collection, an essay collection by him. And it's so, he is so annoying, like, <laughs> like as a person. But I'm like, damn, he's a good writer. He's really talented. Yeah, he's so good. He's yeah. really talented. But fuck him. Yeah. Well, let's get some, <laughs> let's find the next one. I mean, he has my money. I yeah. bought his books in hardcover. I oh, bought... wow. I, okay. Yeah. You are a supporter. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But I. But now, like, for the past couple of years, we've only been buying, like, books by people of color or people on the margins. That's yeah. my new thing. But, I mean, he's, he's, doing, he's doing okay. It's yeah. just time to... To usher in some new, yeah, <laughs> the, the next iteration of him, yeah. <laughs> 
Sam, I think you're doing wonderfully. And you. you got this was I, I'm so excited that we did this. I interviewed Me you before, but too. that was over the phone. So this is the first time we're yeah. actually meeting in real life. Yeah. And this was so delightful and oh, pleasant. This is great. Thank you for having me. Thank you. This is great. You're the best. You're the best. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> wee! Isn't Sam Irby one of the greats, y'all? When it's a slow clap and you're by yourself, it just sounds sarcastic. But it also sounds sad. Okay. Well, I was just trying to lead us in a slow clap because I thought it was great. Okay. You know what, Joanna? What? This episode ain't over. It's not? No. Okay. People got to listen to us talk. They got to listen to me talk with Sam Irby. And guess what? You guys, we have one more segment for this show. You know it by now. It's called Small Acts of Resistance with my girl, Lana Glazer. So buckle up, honeys. Resist the system. Resist the man. Resist the dominant discourse imposed upon us by the establishment. So, you know, I've I've been trying to be more responsible with my spending power, you know, because I think a lot of times society makes us think like our dollars don't mean shit. Kind of more than like voting, actually, where you put your money is how you vote, really. Exactly. And so most people who know me know I'm a huge Rihanna fan. So I've been nonstop buying stuff from the Fenty Beauty line. Like my new thing is like supporting... Black people, queer people, female-owned businesses. So I, like, I wear her lipsticks all the time, and I tell everybody about it all the time. I love, like, consciously buying shit makes me feel—it makes you feel better about your purchase, and it's, like, makes the thing more exciting and feel less, like, future trash. (laughs) Um, Like, it's a really easy thing to find Black-owned businesses. You Google it and whatever, or women-owned businesses, whatever— um, and you can also search for it through the specific thing you need, mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. whatever. It's like, just find women who are actually, we're consuming the product, so why right. would we want women at the helm of the products that we're consuming, you know? Right. Yeah. Totally. All right, guys. So, small act of resistance this week is to just get out there and buy something that's not a mainstream, big box. So, Spend your dollars. And also let us know about cool products. Like, I want to know cool shit I can buy. Yeah. You know? Why not? Um, tweet at us and comment on our Instagram stuff. <laughs> let us know. Let's uh, vote with our dollars, y'all. Ooh. The So Many White Guys team includes me, Phoebe Robinson, Rachel Neal, Joanna Solitaroff, Megan Conane, Paula Schumann, Jenny Lawton, Jeremy Bloom, Isaac Jones, Matt Boyton, and Joe Plord. Our theme song was written by a white dude and sung by a bunch of other white dudes. Check out photos of moi with Sam Irby from our interview on the WYC Studios Twitter page. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dope Queen Phoebes. Get into it. Bye, Q, bye. Bye.